Shaq on his deep balls as Marshall Ferguson's beautiful graph on his piece on CFL.ca shows us Marsh Shaq and the deep ball in 2021 was not nearly the same. Scary. Uh, <laughs> that That's what comes to word for me. I, I think that that's the, when I put that together, I was like, okay, yeah, I thought that this wasn't necessarily a great year. And overall, statistically, I think we understood what it kind of looked like. And, and then I put that together and specifically down that left hash yep. and even down the left, left sideline, I was like, Oh man, like it's, and Cody's struggles with the deep ball were not, I would say uh, consistent through one receiver over another. It wasn't like, well, you know, he was really bad to Kyron Moore, but he was really good to Shaq or vice versa. Or, uh, you know, when Duke came in, we thought, well, that's going to be the answer. And yeah, there were some, but there were also some off games early on when Duke came in trying to feel each other out, as you know. So it was never really one player or another. And uh, yeah, I mean, that Shaq stuff, when I put that together, it was like, there's not a lot of disparity in targets here. There's not a lot of variety in different places that he was trying to get the football to with Shaq. And when he tried to get it to spots that were really successful in 2019, it didn't work the way that anybody thought it would in 21. Yeah, our our, our data matches up on that, Shaq. And you see it on the graph on your piece on CFL.ca. 0 for 10 on deep balls intended for Shaq in 2021. Two of those were intercepted. Uh, I went back into the numbers. Three of them were graded as accurate passes. And went, mm. yeah, that is, <laughs> that is, that is harsh. And honestly, as Ryder fans, we went, yeah, actually that's, that sounds about right because we all watched it happen. And from week, whatever it was, six on, we all kind of expressed our frustration with it for the next eight consecutive weeks because it was just, it was just that rough. So uh, Marshall Ferguson, Canadian football perspective and CFL.ca, of course, with us on the cage. What were you? What did you expect to find when you went looking at Shaq and Kyron Moore? So the thing that that fascinates me about these two guys, and I mentioned it a little bit in the piece, but really, I mean, when you're trying to jam things into 700-ish words with a couple of graphics and stuff, you never really get the chance you way to do it in this medium to explain or kind of explore. And I think the thing that I was most fascinated by was with Kyron Moore style of play. Like, because I, I can look at the numbers the same as you, and I can see the the usage rate, and I can see, uh, you know, depth of target, and these things that we use to kind of analyze. But the way he runs routes, I can't define a number two. And, and I find that his way of running routes and being able to free himself up, it's, I mentioned it in the piece that the idea of the deep corners or the deep crossing routes where he's lining up at number two, number three to the field, and he's going on these deep over routes where he's over the middle linebacker and he's crossing the safety's face or, you know, if they're playing, uh, you know, a single high and he's got the free safety in the middle of the field and he, you know, the, the safety takes the seam route to the outside. Now he's the skinny post that's going right down the middle of the field. And I find his style of play, the way he opens himself up and the speed that he plays with, not just in his waggle or running a 10 yard route, when he has somebody on him and he needs to kind of stair climb a little bit to 10, 15, 20 yards and then snap on an inner outbreaking route. That's where I find him fascinating because it reminds me a lot. And I know everybody says, well, Lucky Whitehead reminds me of Brandon Banks. Oh, Kyron Moore reminds me of Brandon Banks. For some reason, Speedy has become the poster child of small guy gets open. Right. But they all do it. They all do it a different way. And I think Kyron's different than Brandon Banks in the way he gets open. Because Speedy is, I got to tell you, if you ever get a chance out there, if you're a CFL fan and you want a fascinating study on route running, watch Brandon Banks from 2019, DT, because he doesn't follow a single rule. Like none of his routes make sense. He's going on a corner and yeah, it's good to inside release sometimes on a corner route, but he'll like, 
uh, you know, there'll be an expanding will linebacker and he'll jump to avoid him because he doesn't want to have any contact, throw him off his route. And then he'll run as fast as he can to the inside of the hash and then snap violently back to the corner. And there's a reason he was open so much in 2019. Nobody knew what the hell he was doing. And I don't think Brandon did. But like when I watch Kyron Moore, he's more disciplined in his route running. He seems to understand concepts a little more. And the interesting thing too is, and this is where I really think his production grade on my tracking really picked up this year. He understands timing and spacing, I think, better than we give him credit for. And the reason I say that is you can have kind of like a mesh concept, right? Where there's these crossing routes and somebody has to pick the middle linebacker or rubber if it's a man coverage or a deep in breaking route. And he will constantly, as he's running his routes, be looking around, like kind of searchlighting for okay, where are the defenders near me? What what coverage are they playing? How are they treating the other receivers that are in this scheme? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I find interesting is he seems to understand this. So for me, that's that's a green light on there's a higher ceiling here because I see that he understands the game and he can play fast. As for Shaq, I was interested to dive in and look at him just to figure out, okay, is 2019 Shaq the real guy yeah. and 21 was just the injury riddled, couldn't get back into the flow of things. Sometimes when players have a really bad year, whether it's injury or otherwise, I, I tend to look at them and go, mm, maybe that's the more realistic version. Maybe this was a bit of a, a, a streaking star across the sky in 2019 that's never going to shine that bright again. But when I watch the way that Shaq is so physical and so explosive, it's not that he it's not like he tore an Achilles. Like he broke yeah. his foot, right? It, it's about like the yeah. explosiveness. The explosiveness is going to be there. And so uh, I think that he's going to be more 2019 than 21 coming up this season. Now, is he going to be the very best receiver in the CFL as every CFL receiver seems to have tweeted in the last 24 hours that they are going to be that this year? Uh, no, I don't think that Shaq is going to be the number one guy in the entire league. But damn, if he is, Saskatchewan's in a good spot because that would unlock a lot of their offense that Cody was missing this past year. Uh, He's Marshall Ferguson, Canadian Football Perspective, with us on the Sports Cage. Uh, On Kyron Moore, uh, we saw he really had some amazing plays in 2019. He had the 98-yarder against Toronto. He had multiple 40-yard catches. He He really got some stuff down the field to the point where when 2021 rolled around, I thought, oh, they should use him more in the deep ball game. And I look back at his 2021, and he had 11 deep targets out of 82, like mm. 12%. And I go, okay, is this now a second offensive coordinator that doesn't think that's the strength of his game, or is he too valuable in the short area game that you can't really do that? Is that the change of pace thing? Do you think there is – it sounds like you think there is more room for growth in in uh, Kyron Moore in, in the deep yeah. game. Why didn't it come in 2021 would be your would be your guess or your, your educated guess. Simply put, I think it's Jason Moss's system. I, I, okay. I'm not using that as some kind of scapegoat to blame things or say, oh, he's doing the wrong thing. No, Jason Moss does what he does, and he's very successful at it. And we've talked about this. You know, it's so funny, our conversations over the last two years. In 2019, it was, well, you know, Cody's really got to extend the ball down the field. And he's, he did that pretty well in 2019, but he could really do it in a special rate in 21. And then he just flat out doesn't, and it's awful in 2021 down the field. But, man... You look at his numbers from zero to ten and ten to twenty. Uh, it is he is special, right? And, and yeah. that's where I think Kyron Moore comes in is his ability to separate on those underneath routes that I'm talking about. I think Moss saw that probably pretty early on and said, "Okay, there's our slot shaky guy. Like he's the one who's going to be able to get Cody completions underneath." And that's 
I think that's good. But like I say, when I talk about the growth of him inside of this Moss offense is this year, they have to take another step and it can't be, okay, Kyron Moore, you're going to run 70 some odd routes underneath and only 11 over the top. And we're just going to chuck it deep to Duke or Keen Schaefer Baker or whatever. Like I don't, I don't like offenses that designate, Hey, you're deep guy. Hey, you're short guy. And I honestly feel like the Patriots in 07 probably twisted everybody into thinking that that was a real good concept. It's like, Hey, Randy, Randy you're the deep ball guy. Wes, you're the underneath guy. And they were mind blowing. And everyone was like, that's what we need. A deep ball guy and an underneath guy. I like offenses where I don't know if Braylon Addison or Brandon Banks are going on a crossing route or an in and up. I don't know if they're going on a corner route or they're going to curl it back to the sideline. Like that's, I feel like where you got to have some more multiplicity. And, and I do think that he's going to end up growing into that more vertical concept. I also think that if they forced it to him more vertically this past year, that Cody's numbers would have been better. Like, I, I really do feel that it would have helped down the road because they have better chemistry than I think a lot of the guys that are on that team. Because let's be real, Schaefer Baker was just getting his feet wet as, as great as he was. Yeah, he was, he was trying to figure it out on the fly. It felt like a little bit throughout the season. And Braden Lenny is... Very, very talented player, big body. That's a naturally quarterback-friendly receiver. There was a little bit of, I think, juice that could have been squeezed at a more down the field that, for whatever reason, they decided not to go to. But I, I really do feel like that's in the cards coming up this year. I went back, and as I throw to Clayton, compiled the numbers for 2019 and 2021 combined uh, for all the quarterbacks. Balls 20-plus yard down the field, deep balls. Cody Fajardo passer rating 10th out of 10. 71, which is incredibly low. Clayton, for intermediate pass routes, 10 to 19 yards downfield, Cody Fajardo was number two in the Canadian Football League in that zone where you use that. You, those don't, you don't have to have the huge hits, but those are big chunks of yardage. That's the money yardage right there. The 10 to 19, yeah. that's where you want to be really good. Like, anyone can dink and dive and check down. Like, heck, put me in there. Pay me the minimum. I'll throw screens all day. Why not? But, <laughs> like, deep balls, okay. Like, when Cody was having problems with his deep balls, it's like, yeah, it's the deep ball, though, right? That 10 to 19 yards off. You're, if you're good at those medium routes, you're, you're set as a quarterback. Uh, I would also say this, though, Clayton, that how deep were those targets when your life was made at that Saskatchewan rush game that you ended up going down and knocking down all those targets? And I saw that video that came out on social yesterday that you posted. And I mean, those were not short shots in the follow through. You knew that first one was going to hit the target perfect. You were bouncing as it came out of your hand. I know that look. I'm a CGFL record holder, Marshall. What can I say? <laughs> like, uh, it's just I got that swagger, and I guess we'll talk about this again, DT. I yes. guess we'll talk about the greatest <laughs> moments in my life. But uh, Third year anniversary yeah, plus one day. As soon as Darian Durant came out in his khakis and dress shoes and, you know, a couple beers in him, I knew I was going to win it. I knew it. I knew it in my bones. But uh, you know what's, yeah, what's like, great about that, though, Clayton, is that, like, in order to have that kind of accuracy – it's not like you just grabbed the ball and started throwing when they said. I could tell because I've played quarterback just like you, the way the ball came out of your hand on that first throw, I thought to myself, A, not only has he not been drinking the beers like Darian Durant that night, he has also been warming up voraciously. Like that shoulder was as loose and flexible <laughs> and just whippy as it could possibly be. And I, I started laughing as I was watching it because I thought – Man, that takes a lot of work sometimes when you haven't really thrown all that much in the last while to get that thing to look that natural right away from the very first time that you touch the ball and to have that kind of confidence when it comes out of your hand and you just know, 
how much time did you spend getting ready for that right before you went out? Can we pump my tires some more here? This is great. Um, but no, like, I don't know if you guys are King of the Hill fans. You ever see that episode where King of the Hill or Hank Hill wins that contest to throw footballs at halftime through the giant beer can? Yep. And he practices yeah. for like a week. That was me half an hour before at Sastel Center because I didn't know what I was doing. Like, you go there, I was kind of surprised. I wasn't told all the information. So when I found out I was doing a throwing competition, I was like, yeah. All right, I started uh, doing the arm rotations like that kid from the Cam Newton commercial back in the day, warming up my arm, and oh yeah, I was I was ready to go. Enough about me. Let's get back to the receivers. Marsh, just as a final thought to that, Marsh, he 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 hit five out of six. You saw the video. That sixth one was very clearly a drop, right? That was oh, a drop. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It was good location, good ah. timing, rhythm, rhythm throw, and I just you know what. If I were going into the offseason, Clayton, I would be demanding more money to be able to go into that situation with that kind of pressure. I would, the only time I have ever been able to come even remotely close to that in a former life was 2014 McMaster University's alumni uh, golf tournament. The football players were all sent there. We were hosting all these kind of different charity events, the different holes, as you do. And Bruce Boudreaux actually came up because he was a friend of somebody who was around the program. And there was a, a net that they had set me up with three different targets down the line. And I was supposed to throw uh, into the net. And I said, okay, you know, if you guys match me, then you get 50 bucks towards this uh, restaurant. And if you beat me, then you get a hundred dollars or whatever it was. And I'm standing there in the first one, I kind of like lobbed it and it dropped in and Boudreaux turns to me and he goes, do you actually play quarterback? I go, yeah. He goes, then throw the damn thing. <laughs> he got pissed off at me, and he, to, he was asking me to rifle it and just throw it as hard as I possibly could. So, of course, I, I start ripping the other two, and I punch them both in, three for three. And then Boudreaux steps up, goes three for three, basically like chucking it underhand with a, with a spiral like Brett Favre in the snow. And, uh, and ends up getting his $100 towards whatever because he matched or beat me and whatever. But I'll never forget him. Like the amount of pressure that I suddenly felt from an NHL coach going, Do you even know what you're actually doing? I'm like, Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Of course, sir. Sorry. About- <laughs> That's outstanding. Uh, that is great. All right, Marsh, uh, it, 45 seconds before we let you go. If we talked yesterday, Duke Williams probably going to, ex- to examine free agency. He's going to get to the free agent date. Mm-hmm. If the Riders don't have Duke Williams back, and Shaq and Kyron are their one-two. How should they feel about that? Uh, I don't think that that would get them over the top in just those terms, but I also think that Moss is creative enough to understand that, okay, if we are not the strongest receiving group in the league, if we don't have this dominant uh, you know, cheat code of beat you over the top with Duke Williams, I'm going to massage my offense to create other advantages. I'm going to lean into maybe this mid-range game, and we're going to throw the ball 75 80 5% of the time, but we're going to do it in a dominant ball control way, and we're also going to run the rock a little bit more. So the personnel that they end up with here in the next month is going to determine the style of football they will play in 2022. Uh, we are looking forward to free agent day, looking forward to Duke Williams being back in green, he said, with his fingers crossed as tightly as they could be. <laughs> uh, follow him on Twitter at TSN underscore Marsh and at CF Perspective Marshall Ferguson every Thursday with us on the cage. Thank you, brother. Be well, guys. Talk soon.